It's time for the Hadit.com radio show. Hadit.com radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Kutcher. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, on this, uh, what is it, 20th day of October. 2016, mine lands, the time is just flying. Oh, we got election coming up here before long. Uh, but anyway, we're here today with our co-host, Jay Basser. And uh, today our guest speaker is is uh, John Dorley. And if you have any questions or comments... Uh, about the claims process, uh, feel free to call in. Our call-in number is 347-237-4819. And that number, once again, is 347-237-4819. How you doing today, John? Uh, I'll tell you what, guys. I'm doing good. It's, it's nice to be able to be on the show again and, and talk to you guys and, and, and uh, uh, spread the word to the uh, listeners out there about the Veterans Administration and, and what they can do to help develop their claim better. Well, yeah, and it's always a pleasure to have you on, John, I'll tell you. And I'm, I know the people there have had it, uh, the veterans there uh, enjoy you coming on because... You try to address her questions, uh, uh, every one we can get. Uh, 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 Jay Basser, uh, you had a question there from Bud, uh, or Buck, I'm sorry. <laughs> I got Bud's on my mind. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I keep thinking of that guac. <laughs> I think I answered the question for the year, but I wanted to read one of that you too. Veterans uh, 90% service connected uh, for the hearing loss. Pretty high rating for hearing loss. But, uh, they got, uh, and then he, he, they did an IU on top of that. And several years later, he filed another claim for PTSD. He gets a 7% rating for his PTSD. So he's already total, I guess, for his, uh, for his 90%. And the 70, of course, you put the math together, 77%. When you get 10%, it's, uh, it's only 7 because you got 90% already, so it's still maybe 10%. But they went ahead and gave him SNCS, I guess because the hearing loss is considered total. Uh, what's your opinion on something like that? Have you seen that before? If I heard you right, you were a little bit muffled, but, but John, it sounds like the scenario is that he was 90% for bilateral hearing loss. And that uh, he put in a request for post-traumatic stress disorder, and the VA rated him 70%. Now, now, uh, prior to being 70% for PTSD, he was rated 90%, as mentioned, and he's rated uh, under unemployability, total disability, individual unemployability, permanent total. Does that sound correct? Yep. That, that I understand it. Okay. And it sounds like from what you're saying is they gave him an extra scheduler allowance, a special monthly compensation S rating. Why? Yeah. 
you know, that, that, uh, that's the case. I probably want to study a little bit closer. Uh, I'm wondering if the, if the person who submitted the question is just looking for if they would do that or they are doing that or what's going on. My understanding with, with the way the VA law is written is, is to get that S rating, you have to have one singular disability at 100% scheduler. An additional disability is over and above that at 60% or more qualified for SM, SMCS. Now, uh, how is getting uh, SMCS with a 90% for bilateral hearing loss permanent total and a 70% is a bit beyond me unless there's a regulation that says if your permanent total has kicks in. I don't think so. I don't think that's the case. The red state total permitted to be issued both on this years ago with the uh, folks at IU and getting on the radio they had a couple of lawsuits and everything and uh, people were actually were total were actually getting the SEC the ones that weren't working. So total's a big word. I don't know what the detectives on it, but uh, good question to ask because it actually has happened. So, so it sounds like the key gone. here is total, and that, that even if you might have a scheduler 90%, as long as you're rated under unemployability permanent total, you get that extra 60% or higher SMCS uh, kicks in. So that that would stand a yeah. reason. Uh, is, was he, did he have a follow-up question on that? or? No, it's just a question asked the general board, so he sent me a message and asked me to float it by you, so I floated it by you, and we got the same opinion on that. That's what I told him, too, so. Okay. He should yeah, be, that, that's certainly, he should be happy. That's certainly something. Yeah, he should be happy. In fact, I, uh, you know, I would have I cautioned him in even filing the claim for PTSD. Uh, you know, sometimes those hearing loss claims can go the other way. Uh, it worked out well for him this time. He, he was able to gain an extra couple hundred, two, three hundred dollars a month based on SMCS. Mm-hmm. But but what he might have been risking is is that if his hearing had gotten better, and I know it sounds crazy, but sometimes hearing does get better, or the audiology tests come out a different way. Uh, if he wanted to be stinkers about it, and I've seen it happen, they could propose to lower his 90 down to a lower level, uh, and uh, uh, therefore his his 100 percent would be jeopardized. Uh, along with his permanent total, but it worked out well for him. So I think that uh, if I was his POA, I'd, I'd tell him to leave the dogs alone and, and and just not monkey with it anymore. That's right. I'd, I'd, I'd quit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Good for him. Good for him. Okay. Well, we're going to discuss the appeals process tonight, John. I mean, I don't know anything about appeals or not. I mean. I don't know, you know, I used to work in the state of Minnesota, so I, you know, I'm just picking on you. But, uh, uh, the appeals process, uh, you know, we've already discussed the other processes up to the appeals process. Uh, Joe Becker is sitting in his house, and he gets a letter from the DA saying, you're denied on all issues. That's what that's called. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, you know, guys, we talked about this on... We've talked about this on the radio show before, and I think it's certainly worth repeating on, on a, kind of a thumbnail sketch of how the the uh, appeals process works with the Veterans Administration. And, and so one thing that's really important to know is that uh, anytime a claimant gets a decision, you have one year from the data notification letter to file what's called a notice of disagreement. Now, effective March 25th of 2015, the VA required to be on a specific form. That form is called the VA Form 
5-8. Prior to that, a veteran could write a notice of disagreement on a napkin and send it to the VA. By law, it had to be accepted. But as I said, effective March 25, 2015, you have to file it on a VA form 21-0958. Now, when you file that appeal, you have two options. You can have a traditional appeal process or a decision review officer. Now, a traditional appeal process is going to be looked at by the same adjudicator who made the decision before, and nine times out of ten, they're going to reaffirm their decision unless the fact comes in with new material evidence. And it has to be probative new material evidence to get that person to change their mind. As a power of attorney, I've always went with the decision review officers because it's going to be someone that's higher ranking with the VA. It's going to be someone that's never looked at the claims file. It's going to be a brand new, fresh review with the VA called Latin for De Novo. So my advice would be to go DRO De Novo. Okay. So once you once you file that, depending upon the regional office, you can pretty much assume that you're going to be waiting anywhere from a year to three years. For the for the appeal to be decided, and that's unfortunately just the status of the claims of the VA today that appeals are are, are that backlog. Now I'm not supporting the VA when I say that they can certainly be nudged and prodded and in a professional way to get it done sooner than later. But on average, the East Coast is probably worse than the West Coast or the Midwest. And the East Coast, you're probably looking at two to three years. Anywhere else, it's one to two years, if not more. So. Once you get the appeal filed, you have some options. You can do a formal conference with the appeal. You can actually sit down with the decision review officer and your power of attorney, and the claim will be heard and it will be recorded. Or you can do an informal conference. Same scenario, except it won't be recorded. Now, at that point in time, you can expect the decision after the conference has been held. And typically, it's called a statement of case. Now, a statement of case is issued once the appeal has been looked at and the decision review officer has made their decision. Now, in the statement of case, if any of the issues that you review are not satisfactory to you, you have a very specific window to file the appeal to the Board of Veterans' Appeals. It's called a substantive appeal, Form 9. Now, that timeline is either 60 days from the date of that statement of case or one year from the date of notification of the decision, whichever is later. That's the key, whichever is later. But the key is to get that Form 9 filed to protect your rights to the Board of Veterans' Appeals and the earliest possible effective date of claim. Now, to go further, the Board of Veterans Appeals here to the claim, you have about four different ways that that can be heard. You can have a video conference. You can have a traveling board. You can appear directly at the Board of Veterans Appeals in Washington, D.C., or you can forego all three of those and just say to the judge at the Board of Veterans Appeals, I want my claim just heard based on the evidence of record. Okay? So once the Board of Veterans Appeals makes their decision, if it's at, if it's not if it's not satisfactory to the claimant or the power of attorney, typically you have one hundred and twenty days, which is four months from the date of the Board of Veterans Appeals decision, to appeal to the Court of Veterans Appeals. 
You also have the option of a reconsideration. You also have the option of a clear and unmistakable error. That's a little bit trickier and a little more, more intricate. It takes me a lot longer to go into that, but you can look at that via the due process letter that you'll get via the Board of Veterans Appeals. So that's a, that's a thumbnail sketch of how the appeals program works, and I would suggest I mean, anyone that's listening out there that realize how complicated it is, I've been doing this 25 years, and I'm just rattling it off just based on my experience. The point I'm making is don't do this on your own. I don't care how learned the veteran thinks they are with respect to these claims. It's very rare that the veteran can do this on their own and be successful. You need a power of attorney, whether it's a national service officer, an actual attorney, or an accredited appeals agent as myself. And and that's, that's my advice. And so I'll throw it back to you guys and I ask you if you have any clarifying questions on that or if any if any call if any listeners want to call in, that's fine too. Well, it sounds like uh having a good power of attorney is critical. And I Absolutely. for one would certainly uh recommend uh, every veteran when they get that far along in their claim process to have a good power of attorney. And even prior to filing the claim, if they had someone that's familiar with the claims process, I believe they'd be way ahead in the, in, in the claims end of things, uh, if they would uh, seek the advice uh, prior to filing a, a claim, uh, it can cost you know, it can save you a lot of heartache years down the road. You're right, Gerald, and, and, and I, I think for the most part, uh, advocates do the best they can. Uh, majority of my clientele come to me because they're not getting... Uh, the attention or, or, or the services they need from their specific advocate. Uh, there are a number of organizations out there that will uh, tell a veteran that uh, your disability is what it is. You should be happy with what you got and don't rock the book from day to you. I've heard veterans tell me that more than a few times, so I know what's going on. Uh, I always tell my clients, we're only asking the VA for what's fair. According to N21 Manual Code of Federal Regulations, the only thing we're ever going to go after the VA for is what the law says and what's fair. So if you ever, if any, if any listeners out there ever have any uh, advocates that, that uh, uh, give them advice that just doesn't quite sound right or almost shames you in, in pursuing your claims further, uh, it's important that you contact another advocate, like I said, whether it's an agent such as myself or an attorney, uh, the majority of agents and attorneys out there, uh, we're in business for ourselves. We work on a contingency basis. And so I can guarantee you, for myself and for the majority of attorneys and agents out there, they will dig into your file. And they will take a lot of time in trying to develop your claim. Because that's their business, trying to win your claim. Well, when in sure, we claim, oh, yeah, I've yeah, seen that. Uh, Carolina, yeah. They're yeah, 
Yeah, uh, yeah, Jay. This is James Rivers. I'm just listening to you know, on the show. And good, oh, good to Jay, be back again. I have a question, there, James. No, I, <laughs> I, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say like a old truck driver. We back quiet. I'm just gonna listen. Well, that's all. Well, thanks for thanks for tuning in. Yeah. I, I, right. I hope in you learned buddy. something. It's, it's <laughs> I a, learned it's something. A I learn something every time we have a show here. It's a pleasure. Uh, I, I, re- I recognize that voice, James. James, it's good to hear yeah. you. <laughs> hey, how you doing, John? <laughs> I'm good, James. I'm good. All right. All right. All right. All right. You're right, John. I mean, you got to get the place that you get, especially if you get to the level above the BBA, you know, it seems that, in my opinion, that once you get above the BDA, the court, everything becomes very strict on on the legal precedent because they'll look at your, your case and they'll start uh, they'll start rattling off decisions left and right from other cases and and try to put some you know put you a year or so. If you don't have an attorney at that level, you better you need to get one or or, or at least get a, a, a good chronic claims agent, you know, someone that knows the system that does. I've seen several folks try this by themselves and want to get crushed. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. And and my experience has been, and this this is not across the board with all of the regional offices, but for the most part, um, I've seen a lot of uh, regional offices when they identify a veteran who's not represented, you're already two steps behind the game because the VA will try to run right over you. Uh, when they know that you have a power of attorney, uh, especially a power of attorney that's got a reputation as being fair but good, uh, their tune does typically change. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to roll over at all, but uh, uh, I do believe you're two steps behind the game when you represent yourself and not have someone that's representing you. I certainly agree with that. Uh, having a knowledgeable power of attorney is the VA is going to pay more attention to your claim because they don't want to get caught uh, messing up. And I think we might have another caller here. Nine four uh, especially a power of attorney that's got a reputation as being fair but good. Um, you have a question or a comment, caller? Yes. Um, I'm uh, too bold. Yes. Hello? Yes. Hi, um, how are you yes. doing? I'm fine, I'm fine. I have, I'm a female vet, and um, I've been on your site. Um but um, I'm having a problem with one of my with my VSO. Um, I will say I'm in Texas. I won't tell you the organization, but um, when I, I had a uh, video conference VBA uh, hearing, and my representative, there were some things that I thought that they should have caught, but they didn't. Um, I had an unadjudicated item that they didn't catch, and I had to bring it up to the BVA judge. Um, it's just that I'm in, um, like I said, um, I currently am in remand from the BVA, 
But, I mean, I, I check your site out, and I'm somewhat familiar with some of the uh, VA rules of regs, but I, uh-huh. I, um, I'm just lost. Yeah. And I don't feel like this VSO is going to help me because uh, um, uh, I, I couldn't even call this person before my BVA hearing so we can match up or so. Uh, the only time I got with him was five minutes before we are supposed to go into a hearing. And so he and I kind of, and I'm not an argumentative person, but I kind of was that day because I was just really irritated in how they they do things. You know, they promote that they help the veteran, they help you do this, but I didn't feel like they did anything for him. Right, right, right. Uh, John, Jerry, you want me to take that, or you guys have a comment? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead, John. I'll comment later. Go ahead. Okay, ma'am. It sounds like, if I can recap a little bit, uh, you had a, a BVA video conference uh, with your uh, veteran service officer, your power of attorney, uh, and then after the conference, uh, you had your claims that were remanded. And so, at this point in time, your claims are on remand. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, and and the issues that were remanded, uh, were they the issues that you had the primary problem with? Yes, and um, okay. one of the and one of the things was um, I had gotten the uh, SOC and the SSOC from Waco, but they omitted they omitted three items, and. I basically, you know, you know reading your uh, the Haddock site, it says, uh-uh, uh, they may consider a deemed denial, but you still need to call them out on it. So that's what I did. And the judge okay. agreed with me that they that they needed to provide uh, me with a, uh, uh, you know, with a, uh, uh, some information on, on those three items. But my my issue is with my VSO. They didn't do anything. I mean, I put everything together, my rebuttal, everything. The only thing they did was he he literally sat beside me during the hearing. Well, and and the one if if there's one fortunate thing that came out of this, somehow or another, you were able to get the claims remanded. So that so that was good. Now, if CBA denied them off flat out. Uh, you had you, you very well would have grounds to sue your veteran service officer. I'm not I'm not saying that lightly or that you should do that, uh, but but that's a situation where I'm just glad that they're remanded because once they're remanded, it's a whole brand new game. Uh, depending upon why it was remanded, that could include compensation exams, it could include opinions. It gives you a brand new fresh start to. Uh, state your argument, uh, supplement your argument that might not have been told at the Board of Veterans' Appeals. So I'm actually encouraged by the fact that it was remanded because that gives you a brand new start. Now, unfortunately, due to the, uh, uh, and I wasn't there, obviously, but according to you, unfortunately, your veteran service officer didn't do all he or she could. The argument could have been you could have won those claims right away with the Board of Veterans' Appeals, but at least they weren't denied, they were remanded. Now, I'm certainly not advocating you switch power of attorneys in midstream, but on the other hand, you want to keep banging your head bloody against the wall with the same veteran service officer. Your claims are way too important. They not only affect you, but they affect your dependents, if you're married or have kids. 
so you really need to nail this. Uh, I'd be more than happy, and if you listen to the show at the end of it, I'll provide my email and, and phone number. I'm more than happy to do a personal one-on-one call with you. Uh, I'm not necessarily advocating I take over. The only thing I'm telling you is that a one-on-one call, I think I could give you a much better analysis of your claims on, on the direction you should go. I, I would certainly like that. I really appreciate that. Um, okay. Uh, I, I really appreciate that, and I just want to thank you guys. I've been listening to your other podcasts. I don't listen to my radio anymore. I have you guys on in my car. I'm listening as I'm going and stuff, you know. And like I said, um, I, I I really try not to take it out on VA when I get there. And you guys have been a wonderful help because you guys calm me down. Have you got your uh, BVA docket number that you can uh, handy that you can uh, uh, need to get that out you, before you call John? You know and what? I, can... Yes, I I do uh, I do uh, in the one on one. Can I provide that to him in the one on one? I can get that. I do have yes, that. Yes, you can. Just give it to him. Yeah, let him look at it, and uh, that'll give him some uh, heads up, and that way he can go ahead and already be studying it, and uh, and that'll help him determine what he's got to do. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm more than happy to talk to you. And and, and it wasn't that long ago, it, it, and John and Gerald and I were talking about it before the show came on. A lady out of Texas had called, and she was as frustrated as you were. To make a long story short, we turned her claims around, complete uh, 180, favorable, everything favorable. Now, I'm not, I don't want to get your hopes up or guarantee anything, but. Uh, it, it sounds like that uh, there's a lot more that can be done. But like I said, the fact that it's been remanded is a good thing uh, because it, that gives us a fresh, new, clean slate, and, and then we can go from there. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, I certainly appreciate you guys, what you do. You really do. You, you, you all are angels. I just want you to know that. Thank you, ma'am. Well, thanks thank a lot. You. Okay, thank you. Now I'll polish polish my halo. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Now, that's, uh, that guy John was talking about, I think actually, John, you got heard done. It, it, it's probably just a little over a month, but it's pretty quick. Maybe two months. Yeah, we... Um, it didn't take long. Yeah, we were able to get... Uh, uh, Secretary of the VA involved uh, 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 one of his aides who was very, very instrumental in getting this turned around. And 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 I would just say to the listeners, it's not every day that you can get the Secretary of the VA involved and get it turned around this quick. But in this particular case, the independent medical opinion was so highly probative, I didn't have to do much, to be honest with you. I mean, I crossed the keys, got the eyes, and got got the proper things lined up. But, but really, this medical opinion that she got from a VA medical center doctor really did the trick. And all, all, all the veteran I needed to do was put that compensation exam to get her rate as high as possible. And and so so sometimes it, it's uh, the devil's in the details in a lot of these claims, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. She had a lot of issues, though, didn't she? Bust her heart. I bet she got straightened out. Oh, this is Texas also, yep. right? Wasn't it Texas? Wasn't Waco, was it? Yep. Yep, yep. Actually, oh, it was Waco. Right she since transferred to Florida, but. Uh, These guys um, got something yeah, we, 
Well, we feel we have a problem in Waco. Um, I, I won't go into a lot of detail about it. I'm, I'm, um, well, let me say this with Waco. Um, there was a time when I said if there's one regional office that I'd like to have my claim at, it was uh, the top three were St. Paul, uh, Des Moines, Iowa, and Waco, Texas. I can't say that about Waco anymore. I think the, the overall Waco has got some good DROs there, good workers, but Recently, I think we've identified what I would consider a rogue DRO. Uh, I'm personally in the process of, of involving the Inspector General, and, and quite possibly having this individual's uh, decisions audited uh, as far back as the Inspector General uh, determines. Now, that takes a lot to get an Inspector General. You really have to have your facts together. You can't just throw it out willy-nilly, and I'm preparing that. Um, what I would say is that if, if you've had cases out of Texas, Waco, Texas specifically, not necessarily Houston, but I'm talking about Waco, uh, that were denied uh, erroneously. And, and when I say erroneously, it's got to be real obvious. Uh, there can't be a whole yeah. lot of wiggle room there. Uh, but but if, if you have a case that is just terribly denied, you know, I can't even think of the best, the best word for it, but, but you know, call me. Because it's quite possible your decision is decided by this DRO that I consider a rogue DRO, and uh, uh, I'm not in the business of making life rough for any VA official. But but this individual, he made his bed. Uh, we feel like he's going to have to sleep in it. So um, that's that's about yeah, all I can say about that. Promoted. You know what? We're going to get him promoted. That's what they did. <laughs> well, I tell you what. Yeah, I mean, God, that would just be pouring gas on the fire, unfortunately. But uh, we'll, yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, I like to monitor that situation. I'd like to be a fly on the wall inside any regional office. You know, but, uh, there's a lot of a lot of good stuff going we, on we, inside there. We've got to root these VA officials out. I mean, like I said. I honestly believe about 90% of the VA officials that make these decisions and, and pull the levers, the appeals supervisors, the assistant directors, the directors, the veterans service centers, center managers, the DROs, probably 80%, 90% of them, they, they do their best. They try to do right. But that 10 20%, they absolutely go out of the way to find any way possible to deny these claims. And I've seen it. I'm not crying wolf. I've been doing this 25 years. I've learned to identify claims that are just ridiculously denied. And then when you see a pattern of it from the same DRO, from the same regional office, they got to be rooted out. they got to be put on the street. they got to retire. they got to do something because they're affecting veterans' lives financially, and not just financially, but all the benefits that go along with being service-protected. That makes sense, you know. But uh, that's all I had to say on the subject. You brought it up, John, so I thought I'd elaborate on a little bit. But yeah, it gets it gets uh, you know it gets me excited because uh, because of the fact that um, there's a pattern here, and and yeah. and, and nip it in the bud now doesn't unfortunately help the decisions that were made in the past because a lot of those veterans may have passed away. Uh, a lot of veterans have said they've just wore me down. I don't want to open the claim anymore, and that's unfortunate. 
But, uh, again, I, I would say if, if any listeners have had some claims decided out of the Waco V regional office that they feel very strongly uh, were denied erroneously, um, contact myself, contact a reputable attorney, uh, an appeals agent, because I'm sure we'd love to sink our teeth into it. Yeah. I'd like to ask you, too, you got a veteran out there, or two, a possible veteran, and this veteran's committed suicide because of the denial from the VA. We'd like to hear about it. Yeah, you're, uh, John, you're a little bit muffled. It sounded like you had said that you came across a veteran who committed suicide based on the denial of a VA decision. Didn't know I was asking if anybody knew any patients out there to let us know about it. I mean, that's something we could probably test that too because if a veteran's got a bogus denial committed suicide, then uh, I think that, that that's pretty serious. Yeah. Yeah, if, if there's a, a link, if there's a link that can be made where a veteran commits suicide or, or hurts themselves in any form or fashion, whether it's through an adjudicative process or a VA medical center treatment, uh, that that's something that that should be uh, looked at really closely. Yeah, that could go all the way to the top in a hurry. I'm sure it's happened, John. I'm sure it's happened. Oh, I'm... Well, we've had numerous amounts of veterans go to the VA medical centers and commit suicide in their parking lots. They've had that happen in Fayetteville, uh, Arkansas, and... It uh, seems to me they had that happen in Muskogee. Uh, th- there's been uh, numerous places. Uh, one of them, uh, I was reading here recently, that committed suicide right outside of the BAER. So, uh, you know, it wasn't getting... They refuse to see them or, you know, what, they hush them up pretty quick. You don't get the full details, but for whatever reason, we do know. It, it's happening. We do know that 22 veterans a day commit suicide, right? It's the number now. Is it back to 24 or is it back to 20? I think they're mad well, I don't know how many, and it's hard to find out. I I know uh, Texas and California don't count the veterans that uh, uh, commit suicide. It's it's not counted. So whatever count they are using, or uh, it it it's not accurate. Folks, do the math. Twenty-two times seven times fifty-two, or twenty-two times three sixty-five. That gives you the total number for year. And I'm uh, sure that's that's way too many people. That's conservative number too. I'm not certain of that. But uh, I and I think that um, I I wouldn't even try to get into the mind of an individual. Who, who is contemplating suicide, who has went through what they've went through with combat, uh, 
military sexual trauma, uh, anything else that, that causes this type of mel- mental illness as a result of military service, and or the treatment they get at the VA medical center, and or the VA regional office decisions, it, it, it can get very frustrating. Um, I, I just hope that, you know, even if we reach out to one individual to, to say, before you do that, call someone such as myself, or a loved one, or a family member, get the treatment, get something, keep going, because your, your pain, when you kill yourself, your pain is over, but your loved one's pain is just starting. Your wife, yeah. your mother, your children, they're your friends. Think about that when you're thinking about killing yourself. Um, and, yeah, and I think when... when, when You, you uh, I think, get in their mind a little bit when they do that outside of a VA medical center or a VA regional office. What better to make a statement? It gets going to get all the publicity, and it's kind of them thumbing their nose up to the establishment. This is the way you've treated me. This is what I'm going to do to myself. This is because of what you did to me. So I can only imagine they do that because it makes a statement. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, like you said, the whole family suffers, and uh, there's no winner. Uh, we did a show three weeks ago. It was on the VA hotline, the suicide hotline. Veterans were calling the hotline and went to voicemail, put on hold. Yeah. Remember that, Gerald? Yeah, that's, that's, yeah I remember yeah. that, and that's uh, just totally uncalled for. That's ridiculous. And they cannot use that they, the excuse they don't have enough personnel. We got enough unemployed people in this country, uh, professional people that can, uh, well-educated people that can uh, step up and and fill these jobs. Uh, there's no reason uh, for. The suicide hotline going to voicemail. How ridiculous. Well, <laughs> yeah, there's not a there's, there's no excuse for it, Gerald. I, I know that one thing's for sure is that I, I don't know what the hiring process is like. And you're right, there are a lot of unemployed individuals out there that I think would be more than happy to do it, even on a volunteer basis. The, the rub, though, is that they have to be trained. Uh, you can't just put anyone on those phones and reel people in. I mean, they have to have a pretty solid experience so that they can deal with these individuals the way they need to be dealt with uh, yes. to, to prevent them from doing that. So training, uh, monitoring, uh, getting the right education, to put these guys on the phone because, you know, if we put any Tom, Dick, and Harry on it, it could have a reverse effect. Well, yeah, it'd have to be properly trained individuals, but uh, we certainly have have people out there uh, in the in the job market that uh, would be more than qualified yeah, to be of, trained. We've got a lot of people in psychology degrees working in Donald, okay? That's a fact. Yeah. Hey, uh, hey, John, John. 
John, hey guys, John Stacy. Gerald, I hear you real well. Yeah. You're coming through real well. But John, um, real muffled, so I just wanted to know if there's anything that could be done there. Okay, how's that? That's oh. great, thank you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh boy, he kicked the supercharger in there. <laughs> there you go. I can hear him. Okay. But uh you know, real bright. I mean it's you know, we have to you know something's gotta get in control of this and we've got too many people that have psychology degrees working at McDonald's. So a lot of folks take the psychology, you know, courses in college and there's not too many jobs they can get, but they still take it and there's nothing you know, it's a closed market for a lot of people. So you know, that that that's an end in right there. These guys, you know, they've already got most of the training, all they gotta do is pressure and they go right into it. Yeah, I mean, we have qualified people that could be trained rather easily. Uh, and uh, because that is a serious, serious uh, uh, job to have. And uh, because when these people call in, they are most certainly desperate. They need some proper help quick. And... Uh, the right person on the other end of that phone could mean the difference between life and death. Yeah, and, and what I understand with what happened with that uh, putting them on hold, you know, even even it happening one time is too many times. My understanding, though, is that it was a fairly isolated incident uh, and that once the VA became aware of that, they made corrections on that. Now that's not to say the issue hasn't come up again, or, or we 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 figure everything is good, and, and to not be vigilant with the VA, that's not the answer. We want to keep after them. But but from from what I understand, the VA officials that became aware of this were 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 more than appalled. Uh, so I sound like I'm, I'm speaking for the VA. I'm really not. I. I Doing this 25 years again, I, I've dealt with a lot of VA officials from the VA medical side and the regional office side. Good, hard-working individuals. A lot of them are veterans. They want to do right by veterans, but unfortunately, there are some there are some bad apples out there. And so, to me, those are the ones we got to try to weed out and and eliminate. Yes, for sure. Yep. But, I got I got workers out at the St. Paul VA regional office. Excellent workers. I mean, I I'd name them by name, but I don't know if they want their name on on the radio. But uh, I mean, but St. Paul is not without their problems either. But but uh, uh, just just I mean, I, I've got a really good relationship with a lot of them. They get things done in a timely fashion, and for the most part, they listen to what I have to say. Uh, so so. I have a really good relationship with St. Paul. For the most part, I have a pretty good relationship with a number of other regional offices, even Waco, despite what I said before. So uh, my goal is to continue to promote that with all the regional offices throughout the country. And I think speaking for attorneys and accredited appeals agents, they want the same thing. And and the, the national service officers, they do the best they can. The state service officers, the county veteran service officers, they do the best they can as well. But for, for the most part, a lot of my clients, they just aren't getting 
that service that they need or they deserve. And, and so uh, for myself, I, I just do the best I can. Well, you have to develop a rapport and a good working relationship with them, John, to be effective in your business. So, you know, that's a, that's, that, that's a good thing for you. But you've got a little gift a lot of folks don't have. You can actually talk. And you know what you're doing, so you know how to rep, you know you know how to present things, and you've got 25 years of experience doing this, you know. So, you know that's that, that that's a feather in your cap. Yeah, if you bang them over the head every time with a hammer and you burn your bridge, the word's going to get around. They're not going to want to deal with you. That's a fact. It's all a game. You got to play it. You treat them with respect, and you know the rules, the laws, and regulations. And you push when you need to push, and you pull back when you need to pull back. That's the key to me. That, that's that's what I feel is the key. Well, we we all know there's a lot of veterans out here that do need help, especially with the claims process. That is so overwhelming, and uh, uh, anyone that's in a position. To lend a hand, I don't know. I I feel like they they should. Uh, if it's nothing but referring them to someone, uh, a a good uh, a BSO or POA or attorney or or whatever, whatever help they can give them to help them. Uh, uh, some people get off on the wrong foot. They get stuck with a a BSO or a POA that uh, don't really do them justice, I would say. Uh, and why they're doing that type of work, it's beyond me if they're not going to do it right. And... You have to find someone that'll do this this work right. And uh, you're right, you're right, you're right, Gerald. Yep. And um, you're you, any veteran who has a claim with the VA, you are not locked in your veteran service officer. You are not locked into your power of attorney. I I, I encourage veterans to work with their power of attorney open communication, dialogue, come to some conclusions. But but if you're just banging your head against the wall with a power of attorney who won't listen to you, who won't return phone calls, who meet with you five minutes before a BPA video conference and fail to address appropriate issues, you are not locked into that individual. You can find someone else. Uh, yeah, there's something wrong with that scenario. Uh, what are you going to get? How are you going to exchange very much information in five minutes? Uh, well, I, I think what's happening, Gerald, is he's got national service officers. To their credit, they have reviewed the case. Uh, they have came up with their own assumptions, and uh, pretty much during that five ten minute interview, they they indicate to the veteran, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is what you're going to do. This is what I'm going to do. Uh, let's go in. So my 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 process is really to involve the veteran. I want to hear what the veteran has to say. 
Uh, I'm not always going to agree with what the veteran says or wants to do, but I'm going to put it in a way that makes sense to that veteran to say, okay, this is why we can do this and this is what we're going to do. But with respect to this other issue you're bringing up, this is why we probably want to go a different way, and I want to explain to you why. And 99 times out of 100, the veteran's going to understand that. So typically open dialogue with the veteran. There's a lot of smart veterans out there. You just simply talk to them. Uh, they'll understand. And, and I'll tell you what, these veterans are sharp. Sometimes the veterans will bring up something that even the power of attorney wasn't aware of, and, and you think to yourself, oh, yeah, we could do that too. So the veteran can be their own best advocate, but you just have to make your presence known with your power of attorney. Well, that's true. Uh, a lot of veterans have been misinformed. Uh, I don't know how many different VSOs I've talked to to say, boy, when I grab them, it's like a pit bull getting on them. <laughs> you know, and and turns out they that's far from the truth. And uh, they need to be schooled, re-schooled, I'd say, uh, a lot of them. Uh, so you have to be extremely careful. It's easy to get sucked in by some fast talker. Uh, go, uh, uh, you know, get a referral from someone uh, that uh, knows, uh, you know, uh, get some referrals. Uh, take that extra step. Just just don't call up somebody and see how fast they can talk you into signing your name. That's that some of the best. Turns out to be a miniature winter dog, girl. Yeah. <laughs> so some of some of the best veteran service officers um, are at different levels. They could be. They could be a post service officer, or a county veteran service officer, a state veteran service officer, a national service officer. They're all government paid for the most part. They're yeah. always going to get that check every two weeks from their employer. But I got to tell you, some of the smartest, most educational and informational veteran service officers I've ever come across were guys that taught me my job in Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota, Dakota County. Specifically, a man by the name of David Moody. Uh, I wouldn't be the service officer I am today if it wasn't for him. Well, it's a learning process, and uh, you have to kind of have the aptitude for it or the will to do it. You know, it's a special calling, I think, uh, to be a good uh, veteran's advocate. Uh, and uh, because it is a lot of work involved. Anytime you're dealing with a VA, you're talking a lot of work and research, and, and uh, there's much involved. Uh, most people can't comprehend what's involved. Well, and that's what, Gerald, that's, in my opinion, guys, that's that's what leads to frustration. That that's what leads to resentment, anger. As you heard from our last caller, that that lady in Texas, 
you could just hear the uh, frustration in her voice, and and she's not she's not unique. I hear that voice from East Coast to West Coast, from the North to the South, all over the country. That frustration is real, and those yes, those claims those claims that they're frustrated about they have a very high probate of value to win. They're not just veterans complaining just to complain. They have legitimate complaints. I know, because I've looked at their files, and I've paged through them, leaf by leaf, page by page. Well, uh, and two, uh, John, uh, when a veteran files a claim, by the time they do file a claim, they're pretty doggone sick, and uh, it's hard for them to concentrate. They can't concentrate, and uh, uh, they have to have someone that knows what's going on, that knows the system, the rules, the 38 CFRs, and uh, to be able to get through the quagmire, it, it's uh, devastating to a veteran. Well, well, guys, these are individuals who already have oftentimes a full-time job. They're working 40 to 50 hours a week. They might have a wife or a husband and three kids that they have to provide for. They have to worry about PTA meetings, getting their kids off to school, getting them to different events. Uh, the last thing they want to have to worry about is an involved, complicated VA disability compensation claim. It, even if you do have the where for all to give it a shot and run with it, your mind's going to be clouded because you've got so many other op- so many other responsibilities to go through. The point I'm making is what I made earlier: is get an individual, an attorney, an appeals agent, or if you have to go with a national service officer or or a state service officer, a county veteran service officer. We're paid to help you. Let us do that job. That's our job. That's our life for the most part. Uh, so, so that 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 is is something that I, I really want to underscore. Let a good professional advocate handle those claims for you. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, yeah, get some help. Don't fight that battle alone. And if you get someone you feel not doing you right, you just simply withdraw their POA. Uh, I've sent several packing, and uh, but uh, and there's uh, different levels uh, when you get in the pro- claim process. There's different levels, and so you need different. Uh, 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 POAs with uh, most of the time different qualifications. Uh, they have the lower M, and then you, you, as you move along, you get up into the higher M, where you need uh, better education or better, you know, understanding of the whole system. It, it's somewhat of a luck of the draw when you assign a power of attorney because because you don't know the individual. Um, you you might have a group of uh, power of attorneys and I'm not even talking just attorneys or agents I'm talking any qualified advocate they may be able to nail it hit the ground running with your most basic claims 
uh, right up to an appeal, and maybe we'll do an adequate appeal. But 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 when you're talking, uh, digging into an appeal, citing the appropriate regulations, uh, being astute in front of a judge, uh, asking the right questions, just like any attorney or agent would. Um, you want one with the number of years of seasoning. Um, you want to want to vet them. You want to look at referrals. You want to asset advocate refer, for referrals because um, you need someone that's going to be able to see you all the way through. Well, that's that's true. Really, that's true. Doggone um, uh, it! There's different levels of this claim process and you have to have someone that's knowledgeable in all the levels and like you said it is the luck of the draw unless you happen to know someone uh, and you you feel very comfortable with them that uh, they're going to do the the right thing and uh, your your power of attorney is is someone you got to put a lot of faith into. So you want to be certain you got the best one. If you happen to pick the wrong one, not to worry. Just uh, get rid of them and and say, look, it's not working out. So uh, here's what I want to do. I want to move on. And you can go fishing or whatever. You don't care. I've had I've had clients call me before, Gerald. They want to they're they're full of vim and vigor, and they they want to drop their attorney. They want me to take over, and and when I talk to the veteran longer and get into the case more, it 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 really sometimes isn't even a situation where power of attorney is at fault. It's just a matter of miscommunication. Sometimes sometimes you can hurt a claim, especially if it's a very involved claim. It's down the. Uh, down the channel a little bit with the Board of Veterans Appeals. Uh, I, you know, I'd almost be doing the veteran a disservice by taking the claim over that far in the game. So if, if I talk to a veteran and I, and I determine the relationship is completely irreparable uh, and I think I can help the veteran, sure, I'll take the claim. But for the most part, what I try to do is, is bring those two together to give that veteran the best chance at, at winning the claims. Um I know we're bumping up against the hour. I was one thing that I've, I've I've talked about on the show before is in my career I've always found that probably the most complicated portion of of VA benefits is special monthly compensation. Uh, there's so many different facets of special monthly compensation that, uh, uh, in my opinion, I don't have any studies to back it up, but my experience. Uh, probably less than 5% of the advocates out there. And I'm talking attorneys, agents such as myself, national service officers, probably about 5% of them really have a good, strong understanding of special monthly compensation, all the way from SMCK up to SMC R1 and R2. Uh, if you ever get bored at night, the listeners can Google that, and they'll see how complicated it is. The reason I bring it up is I just won a big case out of St. Petersburg, Florida. Got a guy rated R1. That's about $7,500, $7,600 a month, and that went retroactively back to 2012. So, uh, you know, you can do the math on that. 
the point isn't so much bringing up the dollar figure. The point is that how complicated the VA rules and regulations are, especially with special monthly compensation. You really need to know your stuff when you go in front of those law judges at the Board of Veterans Appeals. Well, I agree with that. Uh, and you don't learn that overnight. How many years been, has it taken you, John? I started in 1992, um, so uh, I'm into my 25th year. Well, yeah, it uh, experiences everything, and uh, you've learned it well. So, uh, you know, I started in 1992. I didn't know the difference between a, a claim for pension or a claim for compensation. The difference between 21-526EZ, 21-534. I didn't know what a home loan was. I I had some good teachers. I had some good patient teachers that saw something in me uh, at Dakota County. Mike Labovich, David Moody. I just appreciate them even to this day. Well, that's good. Uh, you know, the learning process is not easy, and uh, you do spend a lot of time. At least now you're in a position to be compensated for some of that uh, and help veterans out at the same time. But... Uh, uh, it, it, it's just a rough... Rough deal, and a lot of these service officers are just not educated. If, well, they're trying. That's they're what trying. a lot of them hope they get training processes, but a lot of them can't. Uh, a lot of them hands are tied. That's what they can tell the veterans. So it's, uh, it's well, I, I agree. I think that's true. So, I, 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 I hear what you're saying, Gerald. And I tell you what, I, um, I I can speak for Minnesota, and, and I'm not trying to say rah-rah Minnesota because there are some other states out there that really kick butt. Uh, I think North Carolina is one of them, Minnesota, uh, to, 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 a, to a large portion, California in some areas. Uh, but I know with Minnesota, they have a intense training program through the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. They do an excellent job. Um, I, I would like... I, I would trust my claim with the Minnesota DVA and, and the majority of the county veteran service officers in Minnesota. I was one of them. Um, you know, and so I really think there's some darn good vet service officers out there. Um, unfortunately, there's there's not a lot of good ones, uh, but I can speak highly for, for some of them. And I would say Minnesota, uh, North Carolina stick out for me. Well, that's good. California's doing a good job, too, guys. I give a shout out to Mr. Paul Sutherland. He's the man up in Sacramento. <laughs> yes, oh, yeah. he is. Yeah. yeah. And I'm missing some guys. I hope I don't cause any hurt feelings, but there are some, there are some darn good DSOs out there uh, at St. Paul and, as you mentioned, in Sacramento. Um, but finding them, that's the key. And, and if you do find them, then everyone wants them, and then they get behind. I mean, they they get so busy, they can only do so much. Yep, it's true. 
Well, folks, all good things must come to an end. We're uh, over time here a little bit, but uh, I left. I, I give some extra time today, just in case you know we got going. And uh, I think uh, it's been a really good show today. So this, this is going to be one of the books. Yeah, it's been an informational show, that's for sure. Uh, John Dorley, I have a question here before we leave. Um, on a uh, diabetic claim, uh, do they go off from what they register in your eyes, or do they go off the fact that you're taking metaphorn and uh, uh, to control your diabetes? Well, good question. I think certainly when you're rating a claim for diabetes, obviously the answer is you need to be diagnosed with diabetes. Now, typically with diabetes type 2, that's, that's the most common with veterans, especially when it comes to veterans who are exposed to Agent Orange, Cheryl. So uh, yes. that doesn't mean diabetes type 1 can't be uh, included as well, but, but typically you need that diagnosis. Uh, and the laws are pretty specific. Uh, if you have a diagnosis of diabetes but you're not on medication uh, or taking any type of uh, insulin or anything like that, you get a 10% rating. Uh, if you go on any type of pill form medication uh, or insulin, it's at 20%. And if you are on insulin but you have a requirement of a restriction of your activities, it's 40%. And then and you, if you... Acetidosis comes into play, and you have emergency visits and stuff like that. Then it can go higher than that. But, but Gerald, what you might be talking about is when you talk about the eyes, you're talking about retinopathy. Talk yeah. about all these talk about all these opathies when it comes to diabetes. You got neuropathy, retinopathy, nephropathy. So nephropathy, nephropathy is the kidneys. Retinopathy is the eyes. Uh, radiculopathy of the legs, those types of things. So um, the VA will rate those types of claims uh, independent of the actual claim for diabetes. So essentially you could be rated 20% for diabetes uh, beyond a metformin or some other pill and have a diagnosis of neuropathy of your legs. Uh, nephropathy of the kidneys, retinopathy of the eyes, uh, and all those disabilities are rated independently. Oh, uh, so I Jerry, see. When they're, yeah, when they're rating the eyes, for instance, uh, they get the diagnosis, first of all, then they look at the visual acuity, uh, if there's any uh, exaggerated pain or anything else going on with the eyes, they rate that as well. Okay, so it's just a part of the rating process. Well, the secondary is your... Yeah, yes, adjuncts, second, adjuncts, secondaries, yeah, they're all rated. Okay. Which eventually could lead to amputation. I, I've had my diabetic claims, they've lost legs, toes, the whole thing. So it's a terrible yeah. disease. But but I yes. know you guys are running up against the clock. I. Can I give you my, just especially for that lady in Texas, I can give you my uh, my phone number and email. Yes, please, please. Okay. Yeah, for the listeners, uh, area code 651, it's the Minnesota area code, area code 651-303-3062. And my email is, is just like it sounds, benefits agent. That's plural, B-E-N-E-F-I-T-S. 
agent, A-G-E-N-C, at Comcast.net. That's benefits agent at Comcast.net. And you're also on Hadid, aren't you, uh, John? I, yep, I can be reached at Hadid. Um, my handle, I believe, is Minnesota1, M-I-N-N-Y-S-O-D-A-1, just like it sounds, Minnesota. Okay. Like a New Yorker trying to say it, John. <laughs> What's that? What's that? You guys... If you guys can put up with my weird accent and, and my listeners can put up with my weird uh, Minnesota, Fargo, North Dakota accent, then that's half the battle, really. Uh, I thought you were from Montana. Well, you know, that, that's a story for another day. I was born in Montana, but I've, I've been living in Minnesota for a long, long time. All right. Well, just keep that cold weather up there. Yeah, I'm going to yeah, share so it with you if I can. No, no, no. All right. Let the man drill go in the photo that happens. <laughs> yeah. Watch out for the hurricane. Yeah. All right. Well, John, I guess we're going to have to sign off for now, and uh, we appreciate had it sponsoring us here uh, on our blog talk, com. If you're a veteran and uh, you have some issues with the claims process, please go to HADIT. Uh, there's a lot of knowledge there, and uh, uh, people are were only too happy to help you. Uh, you can type in your questions, and and uh, uh, they have a lot of good moderators, and, and so uh, be be sure to go there. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Okay, thanks for coming on. All right, take care. Bye-bye. And this will be Gerald Cook with Jay Basser. We'll be signing off for now. It's time for the Hadit.com radio show. Hadit.com radio is an... You've been listening to the Hadit.com blog talk radio show, sponsored by Hadit.com. All opinions expressed here are the opinions of the individuals appearing on the show and are not the opinions of Hadit.com or Blog Talk Radio. Tune in next time for another edition of Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio and the Ask Basher Show.